Howdy, partners. You're listening to Conversations with Jacob, hosted by my good friend, Jacob Waller. Make sure to check out the podcast where podcasts are available and check out the video version on YouTube. You can follow us on social media. Facebook is Conversations with Jacob. Twitter is at CWJ Podcast. And you can visit our website, conversationswithjacobpodcast.weebly.com. Hey, you got a show idea? Maybe a guest suggestion? Email us at conversationswithjacob at gmail.com. Now, here's your host, Jacob Waller. What's going on, everybody? And welcome back to another episode of Conversations with Jacob. Oh, we got a good episode lined up for you, but that's every week. Um, of course, you heard Jake Thorne on the intro. Uh, he gave you the social media and uh, the email and website, so there's no need for me to uh, go into that detail. But I do want to plug a, another podcast. It's Two Chairs No Waiting. Uh, uh, Two Chairs No Waiting is an Andy Griffith uh, fan podcast. It's hosted by Adam Newsom. You can check it out at twochairsnowaiting.com and also on YouTube. By the way, uh, by the way, upcoming guest here on the podcast next week is Bob Ross, not the painter, but, but this guy is a medical uh, kind of person. Uh, also, uh, on the 5th of February, it's the Spy Guy, and we're talking Elvis and YouTube. And on February the 12th, it's Smokey and the Bandit, the ultimate tribute guys, will be on the podcast. And today, and joining me is uh, is Mr. Dave Kenny from Embargo Academy. Dave, welcome to the podcast. Jacob, I feel like, first of all, thank you, but I feel like I stepped in Back to the Future. You got you got a John Wayne intro. You're you're talking about Andy Griffith next week. Then then you throw in what was the last last tidbit you threw in? And uh, uh, the Smokey and the Bandit. Smokey and the Bandit with Burt Reynolds, Sally Fields, and then and, and then I'm looking at you, and you've already showed me some of your Elvis swag. I feel like I've I've hit the hit the mother load. I'm back in Back to the Future here. It, well, it seems like it. <laughs> uh, so, and how are you doing today, Dave? I'm outstanding. I'm great. I'm excited. I've been looking forward to having a fun conversation and a rich conversation with you today, Jacob. Thanks for having me. Oh, yeah, of course. Now, for the people that's uh, watching and also listening, can you tell the viewers a little bit about yourself? Oh, a little bit about myself. Well, uh, I'll just start with I'm the, I'm the co-founder of Emergo Academy. And Emergo Academy is an online community for everything and anything in the world of recovery, substances, behavior, any, anything where somebody wants better in their life. So that's what I currently do. And we'll, we'll dive into that a little bit more. Um, what else can you know from me? I come from a family of educators. My father was a great educator. Um, and really, I guess, you know, I wouldn't have given this to him in my teen years, but uh, in my later years, had a dramatic impact in shaping who I am today in wanting to give to people, wanting to, um, to impact people. And, uh, and really, that's where I find great value every day, Jacob, is making a difference in people's lives. And I believe in greatness, probably from my father, but I do believe we all have greatness in us, even though we're struggling at times. There's still greatness there. I like to help people find that because nothing is better than a big comeback story. 
Oh, yeah, absolutely. Now, and how did Embergo Academy come about? Well, Embergo Academy came about as I was working at a private school. I'm an educator by trade, bachelor's, master's of ed. And um, I was working at a private school, saw good kids struggling. It was about 2007, eight, probably 2008. And they were struggling with academic challenges, which we all know about, uh, learning challenges, but then behavioral challenges. And then the weekend making uh, you know, substance abuse choices. Then we saw mental health issues, like starting to, for the first time in the late 2000s, starting to, starting to really become more aware of it. And, and, and a large population of the student body were struggling. And I used to hypothesize, by the way, Jacob, this is just a, this is just a thought. Why can't we change a brain? At the time we were landing things on rovers on Mars. And I thought, God, if we could fix a kid's brain, can we fix their life? Can we change your life? Can we change the trajectory of their, where they are at? And then later that year, I was touring for the school, recruiting students. And uh, by the way, this is how this is how hard I party on when I'm on the road Friday night. Um, I was uh, by myself after after an event and watching public uh, TV. Um, and a, a guy named Dr. Daniel Amen came on and began to really formulate this hypothesis into true science, which is change. He presented a book change your brain, change your life. So if you, we can talk about that for a weekend straight, change your brain means we can change our brain, but if we do change our brain, we can change our life. And that's where I sat up and went, oh my God, it's the only time I ever ordered anything from PBS. I ordered everything they could. They had ordered everything about Dr. Daniel Amen. Um, and uh, that was, uh, that was an, that was the beginning of this uh, journey that I've been on. And it's, it's not a career or a job. This is a vocation for me. And I know more about brain science than I ever, than my high school teachers would could ever believe now. So, uh, that that's kind of the foundation of this, which is believing in greatness in people, even when they were struggling. And I hypothesized if we can we impact somebody's brain, can we impact their life? The answer is yes. Now, and how many people have you helped, uh, change their brain and then change their life? Well, the foundation of that ended up, I, I left the private school. I was, I was executive director of a teen program and, um, and uh, we presented this, this methodology and uh, they wanted to stay in the medication world and that didn't fit. So we branched off on our own. So about 2000, and I say we, cause my partner, Susan, who's also, I get to be her husband. Uh, so that's pretty cool. Uh, but she's a co-founder as well with Emergo Academy. And so we, over the last 11 or 12 years, we've worked with over 2000 uh, clients and families in a private residential setting. And, uh, with COVID that caused us to have to shut down and we retooled and coming out of that about a year ago, we went, you know what? I want to work with larger numbers. Um, I mean, we had a team of 27 or 28 at one point. Um, and, you know, we would take up to 12 clients, anywhere from four to 12 clients. And uh, it, it was a wonderful run, but I want to impact more people. So we, we've created a community, uh, meetups, free things. We've got a recovery club. We have a coaches club. We have a master's club. We have a whole community for people to either get help for themselves or to create a profession in this that, that can be an incredible profession. Now, do you get a goal number of people that you want to help? Is there a goal that you want to reach? Well, we we debate that here. My first number is a million people. Uh, 
I want to reach, I want to reach and I want to help a million people. And, and one of the ways to do that is to, to, um, I guess, create a larger impact than a few of us teaching this actualized recovery, which is over here. Whoop, that side over here, actualized recovery, got the mirror going on. And the, um, the book actualized recovery is the methodology. And through that, we're going to train in the, over the next three years, 1000 coaches and give them the, the business uh, opportunity and the business background to impact a thousand clients, which is more than a million people. So that's our goal in three years is to, when you break that number down, a million sounds ridiculous, but when you break it down to training and certifying, and we have an international certification to be a recovering crisis coach. And then we uh, have a year long program to support them and build their network and build their client base. And ultimately then through, through our coaches, our network of coaches, the opportunity to impact a million people and boy, the world, the world needs this more than ever. And um, unfortunately statistics show us that mental health issues and, and recovery issues and addiction issues, behavioral issues are only going to continue to grow. Did you ever think that you would be doing this? <laughs> no, 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 no. I, I had no idea I was going to get in neuroscience. I had no idea I was going to get into the world of, of addictions and recovery. This is, but, but as I look back, I see the building blocks. Um, you know, I, I, I see how things that I did in my life through learning, through experiential, through failure, through a very dark period of my life in the twenties and the, in the 1980s, um, I've got experience. I've got lived experience. I've got the scars, but I also have the knowledge. Um, I have the education and the experience of the wisdom uh, that, and then when you bring all this together from a new paradigm, the paradigm of a teacher, somebody who can educate and teach others about, and, and, and can, can grasp concepts in psychology and neuroscience and combine them and begin to create a new approach here. Um, that's, you know, with, with actualized recovery up here, that's phenomenal. So no, when I was, God, listen, when I was a kid, all I want to do is play sports. When I was a teenager and in my young, younger years, that's all I wanted to do. So the idea of excelling um, in an academic environment, let alone recovery and addictions and, um, and well-being and helping people thrive was, it's not a reach, but it wasn't something that I planned on. So, so I got to ask you this, was you good at sports? <laughs> well, I was okay. I was okay. I, and, um, uh, you know, through high school, I ended up, you know, either a captain or associate captain of most every team and, um, and then played, just played some junior hockey in Canada. I ended up with a scholarship in the NCAA division one in the U S and I was okay. Um, you know, I, I ended up having more fun and, and not having focus on school and my, um, athletics as well. Those things suffered. Uh, that was kind of the first time in my life where I had a lot of freedom and uh, I, I let's just say I have a lot of learned life experiences through all that. Now, and uh, how can people change their brain? What are the steps to it? Well, it's actually pretty easy. Um, but there, there's a problem with it in that it's a double-edged sword. So if you could change your brain in a positive way and have a positive outcome, well, then you can hurt your brain or change it in a negative way. And you have a negative outcome. And both are true. 
So that's really important to understand is in, and what you have today is not what you have to have tomorrow. So if you've, if you've, if you've lived a life of alcohol or whatever that is, that, that's okay. What you have today, you can change and improve and, and improve the quality of life. So there's one foundation piece that everybody needs to get neuroscience and, and um, psychology differ in most areas and most thoughts, but they come together in this one. And this one area is that the brain drives behavior. Okay. So if the brain drives behavior, the next question is, well, what the heck's a behavior? What does that mean? Well, behavior is our choices, is what we do. It's an action. It's not my thoughts. Those are just thoughts. It's my choices. Do I eat the ice cream? Don't I? Do I do I drink the tequila? Do I go, you know, do I do something? Go for go to yoga class. Those are choices. And the brain drives that. Am I in debt? Am I do I have abundance? My friends, uh, what I choose to eat, my sleep routine. All of this is driven, all of these choices in our life, everything in our lives, including our autonomic nervous system. So our digestion and our bathroom trips. Um, all of this is driven by the brain, and we have the ability to positively change the brain through something called neuroplasticity, The brains, which means the brain's plastic. It's not, well, we, we talked about back to the future. Remember, you remember Nancy Reagan yeah. and the commercials with the egg in the fry pan? Remember those? <laughs> yeah. And was, this is your brain, a hot cast iron fry pan. She dropped in, somebody dropped an egg in it and it sizzle. That's your brain on drugs. Well, yes and no. Because she, what the belief was, and it wasn't just her, what, what the scientific belief was, what you had, and if you damaged it, it was gone forever. No. In the 1960s, a, a scientist by the name of um, um, Diamond, uh, Marion Diamond, uh, from California, she's a PhD, and she first, it was the first one credited with figuring out that when you live in an enriched environment, your brain actually grows. Think of this. When you lived in an enriched environment, your brain grows. When you live in an impoverished environment, your brain shrinks. The result is a really dramatic impact on our lives. So we can we can create an, an enriched environment in our lives and do some things that then our brain thrives and then it helps us. How about that? Now, um, what kind of addictions do you work with? Is it just alcohol addictions? Or is no, it we've, uh, we've worked with everything, opioids. Uh, pharmaceuticals and opioids and um, you name it, math. Um, we've, we've worked with some people with some of the hardest things, um, you know, cocaine. So the party drugs and ketamines. Uh, we've actually had a lot of people that come to us who have tried the hallucinogens um, and had some really, really negative effects, both temporary in the short term and long term. Uh, it doesn't, by the way, a hallucinogen does not do the brain well. Neither does a glass of red wine, despite the marketing alcohol is not a friend of the brain. And uh, so it, it really doesn't matter, but it goes beyond a substance, Jacob. It really does. The, the, the foundation of all of this uh, goes well beyond that because people can do a behavior and create the same amount of wreckage in their life. Gambling, shopping, porn. I'm not consuming anything except the behavior. I'm doing something. And I, I can become so addicted to it that I ruin my life and ruin my relationships, ruin my finance, ruin my health. There's nothing different. And so the, res the, the solution is the same. We have to go through the same process, whether it's a behavior or whether it's a substance, it doesn't matter. This is about helping people put their life back together so they can become extraordinary 
uh, and their gifts can shine. Now, somebody's going through an addiction, and what are the steps to try to get them away from that uh, uh, from that problem? Well, it's interesting you say steps because the book, the book, and and all of our work talks about um, actualized recovery. It's not about twelve steps. Uh, recovery is a brain thing. So the process to that, if I can use that word, the process to that is really in, is really individual. I mean, you got to understand what you're doing. And this is this is an individual thing. Family can't make me do it. Uh, my boss can't make me do it. Uh, these are things that that uh, become very personal. So it starts with number one thing. I'm going to blow the myth up. I'm not powerless over anything. You're not powerless. And whoever else is listening to us out there, you are not powerless. Now that goes against. Um, addiction training and teaching and AA. Well, I want to pull that apart a little bit and explain why you are powerful. And I like to give people their power back. You have power in choice. Well, what that means is maybe if I have a line of cocaine or have a shot of tequila, all right, I'm powerless. I walk in, I'm a, I've, I've, I'm a recovered gambler and I walk in after five years and I walk into the table and I put my first bet down, horses out of the barn. I get that. Okay, choice is gone there because now I'm in the moment and I've and my brain has been hijacked. Fine, but let's back up. Let's back up to a month before when you decided to go to Vegas. Let's back up to uh, five o'clock when you left work on Friday and you turned right and headed to where your favorite old watering hole to meet the boys, versus turning left and going to the gym or going home. That those are those are the points where we have choice. Now. Understand that once once we begin a behavior or a pattern or a substance, whew, that's pretty tough. But if you back up far enough, there is choice. So number one thing is people understanding you're not powerless, and I want to give everybody their power back. And through that, I am no longer a victim. Victims don't believe they have choice. Heroes and autonomous, independent people know we have choice. Cigarette smokers have very little choice because their brain has been hooked and addicted by chemicals. And I won't get into it, but it's more than nicotine. It's something called acetaldehyde that they add into the into it. And rats like that more than cocaine. They'll actually chew their leg off for the thing, for the chemicals that are uh, added into cigarettes. And so our brain is hijacked. Well, you've got to do some things. And some of those things, regardless of what we're talking about, go into physiological You've got to take care of your body first. You've got to change your sleep patterns. You've got to change your eating patterns, breathing. Physiological changes can change, will change your brain. And then there's some psychology. We believe in positive psychology. Um, and we can get into that strengths-based. What are your strengths? And then spiritual. And then life. And then connections, your relationships. Who are your relationships? And also your lifestyle. And lifestyle is about lasting recovery. Now, and why do you think these people get addicted to these uh, uh, type of stuff? Do you think it's something that happened uh, in their childhood that kind of leads to that? or? Well, I'll, I'll blow up a couple other myths. It's not genetics. Okay, so let's, let's get that straight. Right now, it has been proven in science. It is not genetics, um, and it is not a result um, because my dad was an alcoholic. I'm an alcoholic. No, what could happen, though, you, you certainly have a greater propensity of, of abusing substances because you are looking for a way to soothe yourself because you've gone through multiple traumas. 
So what's the what's the root cause behind this? What's the commonality is is pain or trauma. And people are looking for whether they use a substance or whether they use a behavior, they're looking for a way to soothe themselves, to self-medicate themselves, to feel better in the short term, uh, in the short term, despite long-term consequences. So what's underneath all of this is is pain, uh, maybe some fear and trauma. So so that's really at the core of what we where we work. Now, with all the people that you've worked with, uh, can you give us a percentage of how many people that you actually have get through their addiction and they haven't went back to it? Um, we, we had a study done a number of years ago uh, from somebody we call it the GANS, uh, the GANS study. Uh, Roger GANS, a, a PhD in the United States in New York at the time. And um, he looked at that. And a neat thing, there's a, this, this is a neat number. Um, when he looked at that 30 days to a year out, we had an 87% success rate defined by the family member, defined by the individual. Now, there's some flaws in the study. It's not a, it's not a, a, a double-blind study. This is a survey study. And so we have to just, all we can do is follow the responses by the uh, family members or the individual themselves. Now, the neat thing is most people who want to complain actually submit their submit things, and people who are doing well usually don't submit things. So to get an 87% number, we're pretty happy with that. Here's an interesting thing. Uh, Dr. Gans phoned me and said, ah, we, I think the study's flawed. Why is it flawed? He said, because a year out compared to 30 days. So we got 30 days at 87%. A year out, you went up to 91%. He said, that's flawed. I said, why is it flawed? He said, well, in human development, things don't go up. Things go down. I started to laugh and chuckle. I said, except for you're forgetting something called neuroscience, something called Hebb's Law. And he said, tell me more. So Hebb's Law is the theory and the science and the practice where the more neurons fire, the stronger they wire, which is a habit, Jacob. That's how, that's how habits are formed. Habits are formed by the more we do something, the more the neurons fire and the stronger they connect. So they're like a little baby thread and they're weak when we first start like riding a bike. And then one day when we ride a bike enough, those habits form in our brain and they're locked in forever. So the more we do something such as the more we live a healthy lifestyle, the easier it becomes in time and thus the better our lives become. So it, it really goes down to that. Now, uh, oh, I guess the next question would be, and how do we get kind of uh, put these old habits away and kind of focus on a comeback? Uh, you know, and oh, oh, and how do we make the old habits go away and try to get on a new road to recovery? Well, that's that's a long question, and come to Emergo Academy and join one of our groups or one of our clubs, because uh, we can't we can't cover that in a podcast. But I can certainly give a couple tips to help people today, which I like to do. And and one of those things is understand usually ever not usually everybody we've ever worked with their their itty bitty shitty committee in their brain the automatic negative thoughts um, and um, happen and usually people like this beat themselves up more than anybody beats themselves, uh, beats them up. So they, they feel the pain, they feel the hurt, they feel the rejection, they feel the shame. Shame is a huge thing. Um, and this is a, I'm, I've, I'm talking about a shame-free approach. 
So the nervous system is a one-way highway, Jacob. It can only the example here is you can't you cannot feel joy and fear simultaneously. You can feel them pretty quickly, but you can't feel them simultaneously. You can't feel anger and and happiness simultaneously. You could they can switch very quickly, but the nervous system can only process one thing at a time. And so if my automatic negative thoughts. By the way, I got to give credit to Dr. Daniel Amen. This is part of his teaching that I learned. Um, he calls them ants, automatic negative thoughts. The first thing you have to do is you got to crush the ant. So if you have an automatic negative thought, I'm too short, I'm too fat, I'm too broke, I'm a loser, no one loves me. First thing you got to do is crush that automatic negative thought. Stomp on it and say, no. Then you got to question it. Is that true? Have I ever had money? Well, yeah. Is it possible that I can lose the weight and get fit? Yeah. Okay. And when, when those answers begin to go, okay, now immediately what you need to do is replace that with gratitude. Think of this for a minute. What are you grateful for? And when you talk about gratitude, be specific. I'm grateful for my family. Forget that. Don't, don't, don't do that. I am be specific. I am grateful for my golden retriever, Gracie, because she crawls up and gives me the best hugs every morning. So I'm being specific and I'm saying why I'm grateful for her. And the whole time I'm doing that, the whole time I'm doing that, the ant has gone away. Mm-hmm. It is impossible to be live, to be in a state of gratitude, even considering what I'm grateful for and to have this automatic negative thought running through my brain. So it's a neat thing. And can I, I'll give you one more, Jacob. Can I help people with sleep? So this is, this is Susan's. Now I got to source all this stuff. This is Susan's. She created this is, is the gratitude alphabet. If you have a hard time at night, because a lot of these negative thoughts happen at night. If you have a hard time at night sleeping, go through the gratitude alphabet. In other words, think of something you're grateful for, starting with the letter A, apples, B, uh, balls, C, Keep going down that list. Cookies. D, dogs. Okay, and as you go through that, as you're searching, sometimes like E is difficult but because it starts with a vowel. But the point is, as you're searching for something you're grateful for, you've shut down the ants, you've shut down the negative talk, and you've, you've changed how your brain is thinking as you go to sleep. You're thinking of things you're grateful for. If, by the way, you get to the end of the alphabet and you're still awake, do it again. But now everything has to be different. So you don't get to say apples for A anymore. That's the gratitude alphabet. I tell you that that has worked with hundreds and hundreds of people that we've trained in this. Uh, and, and it really helps people uh, quiet the itty-bitty shitty committee and really lean into the place of gratitude and, and better sleep. Yeah. And that's a pretty good method, by the way. <laughs> all right you can give it a shot let me know oh yeah for sure now and how do you find the word uh how, and how do you uh define uh oh, oh i guess it's leadership oh and how do you uh, define that leadership yeah well leadership is easy leadership is 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 i believe leadership is doing not telling uh, I believe great leaders ask questions, don't tell. Uh, and so this really is, you know, living, if I, you know, I'm in the world of recovery, this is me living recovery. First, that's the first step I have to do. 
before I can take it to anybody. And, um, you know, if you're in finance, uh, you better not be in, in bankruptcy and in, in, in great debt if you're giving people financial leadership advice. So the first thing you got to do is be able to live it. And then the second thing is leaders, real deep leaders like coaches, the best coaches don't tell anybody anything. The best coaches understand, I don't have the answers for you, Jacob. I don't have the answers for you, Sally out there or Bill out there. I don't have those answers. What I, what I need to do as a leader in the field of recovery is listen to you, ask deep, provocative questions, and follow where you're going. And then, then I marry that over to your goals. You've, you've told me your goals and, and aspirations and your values and do those things align. So at times a leader, especially in the world of recovery, helps me be able to, it's kind of a mirror. You hold it up without judgment. And you allow people the room to make and, and the safety to make decisions in the, uh, for themselves. But you do that through the power of question, not from knowledge and telling. All right. Now, uh, uh, now with this interview, I was I didn't know didn't know nothing about you. So the person I was in contact with, they sent me some key points to ask. Go for it. You right. have, by the way, if you want to go off the off the, if you think of something. Bring it on, Jacob. Let's do this. So, and one of the key topics is, oh, is I want you to explain this one. Uh, the, uh, one of the topics is, and why did the horse leave the barn in December uh, to need to recover in January? Say that again. Why did the horse need to leave the barn? Yeah, why did the horse need to leave the barn in December to need to recover in January? Well, I th first of all, I, th I think what you're referring to is is the thing right now in public of, of dry January. And yeah, dry, Jan dry January is a month on the calendar where, you know, I, I think it's this, I think it's a um, fad thing right now. You know, it's it's like everybody waiting to New Year's to make a resolution. Why do you have to wait to New Year's to make a resolution? Like, if you want to change something in your life and it's September or October or July, make the change. I mean, you know, stick your stick your flag in the ground and say, this is what I'm doing. I'm going to go to the gym 30 days into the next 30 days. Why do you have to wait to January? So that's the same thought, first of all. But but if dry January, if that if that helps people, I guess what it is is for people who may have felt uh, that the holiday season things got a little out of control and uh, maybe they want to detox their body. Maybe they want to. Uh, see what happens. And there's some really interesting things that happen physiologically in the body, especially if we stop drinking alcohol for 30 days. Your sleep will improve. Your skin will improve. Your your foggy brain will go away. Yes, you'll have no more hangovers. But but I but I mean beyond that is that um, you know the that foggy brain will go away, and I'll be able to be sharper and clearer. My emotions will level. I'll stop being so peak and valley. I'll have more more more, more control over my emotional being and who I am and my choices. You typically your relationships will actually improve. Uh, you may think you're more fun when you're been drinking, but you know in the long term you are hurting relationships. So uh, I applaud anybody who wants to do dry January, but do dry February, do dry March. Give it a shot. Now, and what does it mean to be? Uh, well, what does it mean? And it's ninety percent hard and a hundred percent a breeze. Oh, that's easy. It's <laughs> it it is it, it is. It's 
when I make a commitment, when anybody makes a commitment, full-on commitment, 100% is easier than 95%. Meaning, um, you know, not eating sweets, not eating, not, let's say I'm not going to eat a dessert after seven o'clock at night. Well, and I go 10 nights and then at eight, nine, 10 o'clock at night, I have some, uh, some ice cream in that my body doesn't understand the rational part of my brain. My brain's made excuses for me to, uh, heck, it's been 10 days, 20 days. I can have some ice cream tonight, but my body doesn't understand that. And what, what you're doing now is you're clicking on the body to crave some substances and th things that now, you know, your brain is brain may or may not accept that. So 100% is always easier um, than 95. And I mean, think of it in relationships, think of it in marriages, being in a hundred percent in on a marriage, a hundred percent in on a job is a lot easier than 90%. So, so I guess, you know, that kind of goes along uh, when it says uh, January is when the party stops and what are you going to do for fun? Well, what do you want to do? Yeah. <laughs> but but my question to people is when you're eight years old, 10 years old, what did you like to do? Pre-phones, you know, pre-media, pre-social media. What did you like to do? I like to dance. I like to swim. Well, go do that and see what happens. And there's so many times people come back and go, oh, my God, I forgot how amazing that is. If you like curling, go curling. Like the, the, the list is you, you like outdoors, get your rear end outdoors. But but that's not up to me to decide what that is. That's up to you to make to figure out what that is. If you like community, find a community, create a community. So if whatever brings you joy, whatever brings you fun and joy and a smile on your face and inside in your spirit, you're driving home thinking, God, I had a heck of a great time. Go do that. Now, and uh, what does uh, what does alcohol do to our brain? Oh, I wish I could show you a couple images, but the uh, that uh, if you're interested in that, go to the Amen Clinics, A M E N Clinics dot com. They have spect imaging, so they they have the you know about a five million dollar machine, um, and it's and it's kind of like a it takes a 3D image or picture of the brain and you'll begin to see that areas of the brain just are not functioning, meaning there's no blood flow, there's no activity. And, and this actually happens quite quickly and gets pretty severe over time. So if you want to see what a brain looks like on marijuana, but which by the way is not healthy again, uh, cocaine, um, anything you want to see what a substance does to the brain and what substances help a brain, um, water, fantastic for the brain, your, the power drinks in the morning, the, the you know, the uh, Red Bull drinks in the morning are brutal on a brain, <laughs> just terrible on a brain. Uh, but they, for a short period of time, do what's advertised. They, they make you over alert. Um, so that, so if you want to, if you want to want to solve that, I would talk about lifestyle stuff, but overall alcohol is not a substance where the brain likes it. It actually hurts the brain it, and it shrinks a brain. Think of that. Oh, Who wow. wants something smaller? Yeah, hint, hint. You want bigger. You want you actually want to have the biggest brain in the room. Well, alcohol actually creates a shrinkage in the brain as well as damages brain function. 
So there's been some other studies that link alcohol consumption to to recent studies to dementia and Alzheimer's, and that's a pretty scary thing. As our especially as our um, in Western in the Western world, as we all age more, dementia and Alzheimer's are becoming more and more critical. And can, uh, can you tell us about your book? I'd love to tell you about the book. The book is out. I should I, over there. I've got the. I got the thing. It's like papers are falling out. We're just finishing our last round of edits, and the edits will be in uh, uh, in the next few days. And then we go to layout, and the book will be out in February. It's called Actualized Recovery. It's um, recovery. It's not about twelve steps. Recovery is a brain thing. Actualized recovery. It's not about twelve steps. Recovery is a brain thing. And so, I want to address that, Jacob, if I can. Yeah, go ahead. Certainly, there's a direct mention of any 12-step program, AA, NA, CA, whatever, whatever it is. Um, there's a direct mention of that. I want to I want to mention that Bill W. and his group in the 1930s, um, you know, did a heck of a job in creating in Akron, Ohio, creating a group for, and they ended up calling it Alcoholics Anonymous. By 1940, they created the 12 steps. By the late 40s, they created an international board to run the thing. They did a heck of a job, but it's fair to say that technology and advancements and neuroscience and brain imaging, uh, food sciences have, have gone light years beyond that. So what the strengths of AAR's community, uh, which we believe in, in connection, uh, Johan Hari writes about this, the opposite of, of, of sobriety is, is connections. And uh, it's not about, no, he says, it's not about sobriety. It's about connections. Excuse me, I've got to get the quote right. Um, and community and connections are very, very important. Um, so that's a good thing. But they really don't, un don't understand because they never, they weren't, the science hadn't adopted any of this until well, the decade of the 90s, which was the decade of the brain. Uh, all of the knowledge about neuroscience and how, addictions is driven by the brain so there's a whole there's a couple of directions here medicine they they talk about a brain about the brain disease and that being addiction in psychiatry psychology they talk about it being a brain disorder it's in the dsm-5 as a disorder so i don't care if it's a disease or a disorder i don't care they both agree it's a, a brain issue well that's that's what we do with this book. We're taking the best of what has been used out there in the past, and now we're adding all all of the new science, um, neuroscience and psychology. And if it's about the brain, let's change and fix a brain. And by the result, our behaviors, our choices, our patterns, our relationships, our wealth will all improve. It's a very, very powerful read. And uh, how can people get it when it's released? It'll be released in, in February on Amazon, but also we've got early copies for sale. Um, and actually, we're giving away free copies. So if you join one of our, like the Recovery Club, if you join that, you get a copy of the book for free. You just pay for shipping and handling. Like That's how much I want to help the world. Uh, so we'll, we'll cover all the printing costs and all that. We just ask for people to pay for the shipping. So um, when you join one of our um, uh, clubs, that's included as one of the gifts that we give you just to help you on your journey of recovery. All right. And where can people find Embergo Academy on social media? Right there. Well, really, the main the main place is EmergoAcademy.com. So it's E-M-E-R-G-O 
academy.com and um, and just in of note emergo is a latin word and it means to emerge or to rise above which we want everybody to do we oh, want yeah. you to rise above your current status and your and we want to give you hope because there is hope so emergo e-m-e-r-g-o emergoacademy.com is the best place but you can also find us on uh, facebook as well all right uh before uh, before we go, what to ask all my guests, you know, uh, that comes on here, have they got a closing thought for the people uh, that's tuning into the podcast? There's hope. I don't care what what's happening in your life. There's a lot of people out there, Jacob, that are that uh, don't. Some people are doing okay, but believe that there's could be more. There are some people who the repetitive pattern, they start a new job and a year later are gone or three years later are gone and, and they just spin in the wheels. Uh, today's with, with inflation and all the other challenges in the world, uh, there's a lot of pressure on people. There is hope. There is a future. Um, it does, I believe it all starts with our interpersonal growth, which is a brain, brain first approach. And when you begin to live a brain healthy lifestyle, which is easy, this isn't this isn't like drinking water is not hard. Um, and and yet people go, oh my God, the sacrifices. No, uh, actually living this lifestyle, there is greater freedom than there is by by being stuck in a in a behavior or or an addiction. That's jail. That is that is that is tough. And that is that is um, it steals years from your life. It steals relationships. It steals opportunity. What I am presenting to people with actualized recovery is greater freedom in your life. So please come and check us out at emergoacademy.com. Join. We've got free things. We've got a five day challenge. It's free. We have free meetups every week. Then we've got a recovery club for a whopping forty seven dollar investment. So we have done everything we can to make this feasible and affordable for, pe for people to come and pick up your free copy of the book. Oh, uh, Dave, I don't thank you for coming on the podcast to talk about uh, Hemergo Academy, which I really enjoyed it. Jacob, I love chatting with you and all of your Elvis swag. I'm, I'm, a big, I'm a big Elvis guy, so I like that. I guess that comes with the old school. So thanks very much for visiting, and I really thank anybody who's um, listening and if you want some wants to learn more, again, please hit us up at emergoacademy.com. All right. And that wraps it up for this week of Conversations with Jacob. Tune in next Monday for another episode. Until then, God bless, and we'll catch you guys next Monday.